you're listening to a sermon podcast from Lawson Heights Alliance Church. May God bless you as you listen. In the last couple of weeks, we discovered how missions, how missionaries get to the mission field. We talked about the call of God and adopting the Father's heart for the nations, but also how we have the responsibility with our missionaries to embrace the Father's heart for the nations, to partner with them, to uphold them in prayer, to give generously to the Global Advance Fund and the many initiatives that the Alliance and other groups have towards getting the gospel to the ends of the earth, as Heather and Andres talked about, and to think strategically with them here locally so that we can help them engage in the field that they're in. Well, we learned that each of us has a mission field too. We call it My Life Network. And every activity and person that surrounds you is a person and an activity that needs the eternal life of God, the message of the gospel of the kingdom brought to them. And some of them have discovered that. Okay, You know people that have discovered the gospel of Jesus. But many still have not in your life network. And God has specially designed you and your life network so that together you are best suited. You are the best possible ambassador or missionary to them. Last week we learned how, at how the missionaries like Heather and Andres and Jerome and Morgan, and like you and me, need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus, say just like Jesus... Testing, test. Is my mic on? Say, just like Jesus. Jesus. Hey, that's better. That's like last week. Just like Jesus, missionaries are filled and anointed by the Holy Spirit. And how, just like Jesus, missionaries get direction from the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit infusing power into us, we will never be able to have and exercise a bold witness to reach our life networks, right? We need the Holy Spirit all the time. And today, we'll look at what a missionary does every day out on the mission field. Have you ever wondered that? Well, you know what? There's probably all kinds of different jobs out there that you don't have a clue what they do in them. Because if, if you've never done it, it's really hard to imagine what that job entails. I'm going to give you a few of them. These, according to the World Economic Forum, are the, within the top 10 jobs in the marketplace right now that didn't exist 10 years ago. The first is a cloud architect. Who knows what a cloud architect is? Only a couple of you. Yeah, see? And it's probably because they work in that realm. A cloud architect helps support and implement cloud-based solutions for companies wanting to increase their company's online presence. I had to look that up. (laughs) How about an affiliate marketer? Do you know what an affiliate marketer is? These people help support and implement... Oh, sorry, these are... i got to get these right. Is a, an affiliate marketer is someone who manages and advertises a, a model in which another company compensates third-party publishers and generates traffic or leads to the company's products and services. And you're going, what? How about a market research data miner? No, they don't have dirt under their fingernails. These folks use computers and automation to search large sets of data for patterns and trends and turn those findings into business insights and predictions. How about a chief listening officer? 
A chief listening officer, while this job is one step up from a social media manager, a chief listening officer keeps their ears and their eyes on social media channels and real-life conversations in order to keep a company up to speed on what the consumers are saying about them. What about a UAV operator? Some of you may know what this is. This is a little bit more of a practical side of, of the jobs, but believe it or not, this is within the top 10 of the emerging things that didn't exist 10 years ago as a main service. These people, they don't just blow up enemy targets overseas. These are unmanned aerial vehicle operators, and they use these unmanned aerial, kind of like drones, to acquire data, capture images, or perform a myriad of operations by, uh, that remote, remotely that cannot be done by land, but can be by air. And they collect data in all kinds of different methods, and that data then can be used from everything from farming to mining to construction to real estate to wildlife conservation. Let me give you a simpler one. This one isn't in the top ten, but this is what my wife does for a living. Let's see if you know what this is. A bindery worker. You know what a bindery worker is? These poor schleps catalog, <laughs> collate, and bind and construct by hand or by machine printed materials for literature, correspondence, and advertising. Does that sound glamorous to you? But listen to this. Every book, magazine, newspaper, or promotional piece that you've ever read has been touched by a bindery worker before it got to you. So, from here on in, I'm making October 16th a new holiday. It is National Thank a Bindery Worker Day today, so <laughs> you can thank Bonnie on our way out. Okay, in case you didn't get any of those, let me give you an easier one. What does a missionary do every day? Have you thought about that? What does a missionary do every day? They must do something. Being Missions Month, we should all be aware, hopefully after this month, of what a missionary does every day. Do they stand out on street corners and preach to foreigners? Do they build orphanages every day or hand out Bibles all day long? Sometimes. But it's more involved than that. And yet, it's really simple. They do what Jesus did. Well, that sounds a little vague. Well, we're going to explore that today. Let's find out what that means. Last week, I let you know that Jesus was the first Christian missionary. Okay? He was the first in this way. Luke chapter 4, verse 43 to 44. This is part of Jesus' job description from his own mouth. He says, I must proclaim the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. That was Jesus' declaring his job description, sent by the Father. Jesus came to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to every place on the world, in the world. And while he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, there were certain works that backed up or validated, were evidence of him as God's missionary. In John chapter 5, verse 36 to 37, we have these words. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, Jesus said, the very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. And what, did, what he did, he did as a model for every missionary that would continue, that would follow and continue his work in the gospel. What were those works of Jesus? Well, when you look back over everything that you've ever read in the Gospels about Jesus, you are quick to be reminded that, as, as we talked about last week, as soon as he was baptized, he came out of the wilderness and filled with the Holy Spirit, he remained dependent on the Holy Spirit. 
Then he went about proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God to every town and village throughout Judea. Then he made reproducing disciples. Disciples who could make other disciples generation after generation. We also see him healing the sick. We see him casting out demons. And on occasion, we see him raising the dead. And this is what he did for three and a half years with those 12 disciples tagging along, watching, learning, and doing what he did with him and even away from him when he put him out on assignment. And then near the end of those three and a half years, we read in John chapter 14 in a piece of scripture that we call the Upper Room Discourse, Jesus eats his last supper with his disciples. He's getting to the end of those three and a half years. And he tells them that he's leaving them. And of course, they get wigged out by this. How were they ever supposed to continue the works Jesus did to advance the kingdom of God without him? I mean, they were just perplexed. And so the disciple Thomas pipes up and he says, John chapter 14, verses 5 and following. Thomas said to him, Lord... We don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then Philip reveals his ongoing confusion. Verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. I can imagine at this point, Jesus' eyes getting as big as dinner plates. Philip, what do you mean? Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. I mean, what do you mean, that will be enough for us? That will prove to you that I am the way, the truth, and the life? That will be enough to prove to you that I am the Savior of the world? What are you saying, Philip? Where have you been for the last three and a half years? What works have you seen me doing up until now? Verse 9, Jesus answered. He was a little bit more polite than I would have been. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Verse 11. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or at least, guys, believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the work I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Did you catch verse 12 out of all that? Here's the job description of every missionary in every generation to every nation. Verse 12, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. What's that telling us? Four things. Number one. Jesus' job description is our job description still today. Jesus' job description is our job description still today. What were the works that Jesus did again? Remember, as soon as he was baptized, he comes out of the wilderness. Jesus remained dependent on the Spirit. And then we see him proclaiming the kingdom of God. 
We see him reproducing disciples. We see him healing the sick. We see him casting out demons. And on occasion, he even raised the dead. Those were the works of Jesus, sort of in a nutshell. And then Jesus says to the disciples and to us, verse 12, very truly I tell you. Another way of saying that, the older NIV says, I tell you the truth. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. How do you know Jesus? How do we know that Jesus didn't mean that that was only the job description for the disciples? Well, who does whoever believes include? Just the disciples? Or maybe just other pastors and missionaries that today are, have gone to Bible college and seminary and are really committed and go overseas? Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. Do you believe in Jesus, my friends? Do you believe what he says? Well, reaching outside his inner circle of disciples, Jesus here includes everyone who believes as part of the whoever. Could it be that simple? Not that those things are really all that simple to do, but could it be that that's what Jesus wants us to do? Could that really be the job description of everyone who believes? I know we have a hard time wrapping our head around it because some of those things are really supernatural works. Is it, is it any less possible, though, do you think, than you asking for eternal life and being granted it? That's a supernatural work. And, and when you asked, he gave you more than what you asked for. He not only saved you, he makes you born again as a child of the living God. He gives you access to the throne of heaven. And he gave you his spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Somehow that kind of supernatural is believable by us because it's intangible. It's intangible. But now Jesus is asking us to believe in a tangible thing when he tells, it, tells us that whoever believes in him will do the works I have been doing. I get it. I get that that really stretches our faith, doesn't it? But Jesus said it, so shouldn't we be able to believe it? Would he have said the sentence, would he have started it by saying, very truly I tell you, if he wasn't telling the truth? No, he meant that this is the job description of whoever believes. Point number two. Our missionary job description is doable only by staying dependent on the Father who indwells us. Big point. Our missionary job description is only doable by staying dependent on the Father who indwells us. And every missionary that goes overseas would tell you this is key. And, but I hope that you get by now that I'm including every believer as a sent one. The missionary job description is Jesus' job description, and it's the job description of everyone who believes. But it's definitely one that is doable by remaining dependent on the Father. Verse 10, John 14, 10. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, he says, and you should highlight this or underline it, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. 
and a job description, think about it. Think about your employer giving you a job description for your work. That job description not only outlines the work, the to-do list that you're expected to do for the company, but a job description also outlines the lines of authority in the company, doesn't it? That job description tells you what authority you have to make decisions and to act on things while you're at work. And here in this passage, Jesus reminds us what the lines of authority are now in the kingdom of heaven. Notice that Jesus' authority came from the Father to teach what he taught. And his ability to do other works like the supernatural stuff, that also came from the Father. It was the Father doing his work through Jesus. It was delegated authority, but it was also dependent authority. Verse 10, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. It was the Father in him that he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom of God, that he made reproducing disciples, that he healed the sick, that he cast out demons, and that he raised the occasional dead. Like we talked about last week, not by our own power, but by the power of the Father who is doing his work in us. Keep that in mind for later. So Jesus didn't just wave a paper job description around as he went through Galilee telling people, this is, this is what gives me authority. He didn't do that. No, he remained dependent on the indwelling presence of the Father in him. It was the Father doing his work through him, and that was a delegated and dependent authority. And him doing these works everywhere he went, that was proof that the Father was in him. Verse, four, four, uh, verse 11. Believe me, he said, that when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Certainly we don't have a problem believing that Jesus could do the works by the delegated and dependent authority and the power of the Father in him. We don't really even have a problem sometimes believing that missionaries can do these works, even supernatural things, when they go to a third world country or another part of the world. We've heard stories of these things, haven't we? And we, ooh, and ah, and it's wonderful. But funny how we have trouble believing that, that Jesus gave us the same authority to do the works that he did. Verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Our Western rationalistic brains don't let us believe in supernatural works. It's been conditioned out of us. Even we who claim to believe in a supernatural God seem to have trouble believing sometimes, most times, probably all the time, that we can do the works that Jesus did even though we just read it from his own lips. That whoever believes can do them. And so, by, so we demystify them by, by saying things like, well, you know... God doesn't really work like that anymore today. For sure, we can pray for people to be healed and, and you know, demons to be delivered, although that was probably a mental illness back then. They just didn't have the science to know any better. And yeah, raising the dead? <laughs> no. To claim that, you know, we've been given authority to heal and deliver and raise, well, I haven't seen that lately. So, you know, it mustn't be a thing anymore at least not in North America. Leave that to the missionaries. 
What do you think Jesus meant by, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing? Can we believe Jesus' word? I'm not saying that I got this all figured out and that that I'm doing all these works. And it's mostly because I'll admit that I'm afraid to step out at, at times and try. When I hear of brokenness or pain or injury in people's lives. But could it be that the reason that we we don't do the works that Jesus did, especially the supernatural ones, is because we don't truly grasp the indwelling nature of our relationship with God now? I think that's more it. Think about it. If God really is in you, as the Bible says, that he gives you authority, albeit delegated and dependent authority, to do the works that Jesus did, shouldn't we be able to believe that? And act on it. And if we're not, what's the barrier? Perhaps it's because we're not being dependent like Jesus was. Would you say that you're dependent on the Father? If so, how dependent are you? How dependent is dependent enough? I wrestle with this stuff too. All I know from this passage from the lips of Jesus and so many more like it, that doing the works that Jesus did by the delegated authority of the Father, just like Jesus did, is only doable by staying dependent on the Father who indwells us by the Spirit. It's the only way it would ever be possible. The works, according to verse 11, are meant to be evidence that the Father indwells us. They are meant to identify us as the anointed and authorized ambassadors of the kingdom of God everywhere we go. And when people see us in action, they should see evidence that the Father is in us, just like Jesus did. I remember one day sitting at Woko, sitting on the railings around the tills at Woko in Regina. I know that's kind of dating myself. That's back in the 70s. Woko, for you youngsters, was Walmart in our day. Walmart didn't exist then, did it? I loved Woko. I remember once we were coming out of Woko at the main entrance area, not the mall entrance in Regina. And we remember seeing some guys walk out with a canoe on top of their head. And we thought, wow, this is Canada. That happens, I guess. And they're walking out, and all of a sudden, some people start running after them, and they stop them. They were trying to steal a canoe as they were running out. (laughs) But anyway, that's beside the point. But, you know, my dad loved the lineups at Woko. He loved lineups anywhere he went. As usual, he was hanging around with people, talking with them all the time. And that's why I went to play on the railings around the till with some of the other kids and talking and playing and all that kind of stuff. Because I knew that once my dad got started talking that I was going to be there for a while. But I remember this because it happened often. A couple comes out of the till and they walk past me and they look at me and they go, you must be George's kid because you look and you talk just like him. I think in a similar way. When Jesus said in verse 11, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves, that was Jesus' way of saying he looked just like the Father. When you look at me, you should see my Father. And likewise, when people look at us, as we speak for him and do his works, they should see our Heavenly Father in us as well. And how will they do that? When they see us speaking like him and acting like him. 
Not just in humanitarian work that we can pull off without God. That happens all the time, and the church considers that good works, and that's okay. But I'm talking in a supernaturally empowered way that only God can do through us as dependent children. Oh, children of God, I happen to know on the authority of God's word that God is just waiting for us to take him on his word and to take him on his authority and to actually step out in faith and do the works that he did. Point number three. Our missionary job description is a great Pentecost thing. I hesitated putting the word Pentecostal in there because I didn't want you getting the wrong impression. But anyway, our missionary job description is a great Pentecostal thing. A great Pentecost thing. Now hang on to your hats. This gets even better. Verse 12, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. He's pointing to something. If you read all of chapter 14 and 15 and 16 for that matter, it's all about what will happen when Jesus returns to the Father. That's why he said he's going away. He's got to return to the Father for a very particular reason. Especially, Jesus is telling them that the reason he's he's returning to the Father is to send the promised gift of the Holy Spirit to all of us. And that happened after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit came down and the witness of an empowered church began. And it was all in that event that Jesus promised to him, to them. Acts 1.8, this is what he promised. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He's drawing a map around Jerusalem in ever-increasing circles. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So when the Spirit came, he enabled those first disciples more than the 12. There were 120 at this point, but the Spirit empowered whoever believed. And just as Jesus promised would happen, verse 12, but you will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. That greatness was the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. But Holy Spirit didn't just come to empower, but also to infuse whoever believes in him. And if you skip ahead in John chapter 14 to verse 15, we read, If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, another counselor, another helper to help you and to what? Be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be what? In you. Verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father. And you are in me. And I am in you. Bump down to verse 23. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and I will come to them, or and we will come to them and make our home with them. Ah, God is at home in us. That's more than just sentiment, folks. That's the new reality of your person. Friend, if 
That is the gift, the great gift of Pentecost because of the indwelling presence of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They came to make their home in you, to indwell you. And that's why I make the point that your missionary job description is a great Pentecostal thing. If you will claim your job description and your delegated and dependent authority, you will be able to share in the work of Jesus all throughout your life network. Number four, faithfulness to our missionary job description is ours for the asking. Faithfulness to our missionary job description is ours for the asking. The continuation of these greater things we shall do comes with a further promise times two. He didn't stutter. Verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. That's a promise. Say, that's a promise. Why is that so hard for us to believe? And you know what makes it even harder to believe? It's that Jesus said the same thing twice. As if he really meant what he said. Ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Trust me, I've wrestled with this passage myself when prayers, my prayers, seemingly go unanswered. But he said it. I've read countless books and commentaries and sermons for years on prayer. And you've probably done so too. I've preached many, and so you've heard many sermons on prayer too, not just from me. And you know what I've learned? Maybe you've learned the same. That just about everybody has to either qualify what Jesus said here by heaping all kinds of conditions on it. In other words, there are things that need to happen before those can ever become answers. Or they make excuses for why Jesus doesn't mean what he said, especially for today. (laughs) Let's read it again. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is how I I describe it. Asking, or prayer, is both transactional and also transpositional. I'll explain what that means. It's transactional in that Jesus said, ask me, ask me for anything in my name, and I will give it. You ask. It's given. That's a transaction. Does that match your reality? Think about it. Think of it this way. When you became a Christian, a transaction was involved. You simply asked, and you were saved by Jesus. It seems too good to be true, but it was true, wasn't it? And you believed it. Because God is rich in mercy and abounding in love, as Ephesians 5.8 says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith. You didn't have to meet certain conditions, perform certain rituals, or prove yourself to God in any way. You simply asked, and God gave you salvation. You didn't even have to beg. Isn't that awesome? You simply heard your ask, and he gave you what you asked for. So what do you think Jesus meant when he said, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it? Asking is first transactional. Just ask. But asking is also transpositional. 
This is the key to prayer. It's transpositional in that Jesus said, by your new position in me, by the Holy Spirit, I will do it. To transpose means to change something from one position to another position or to exchange the position of two things. And when you believed, when the transaction occurred, the minute you asked Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, there was a change of position that took place in you. As Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Did you feel that when that happened? Probably not. But that's the position that took place in your life. That new position was granted to you. And when you asked, you stepped off the throne of your life and God by the Holy Spirit stepped onto it. In point of fact, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit came to indwell you personally. And now, because of this new position that you have in God, He infuses you with the life and the victory and the authority of Christ. The Bible describes it like this. You are now in Christ. It's a mystery, as the Apostle Paul says, but God is in you and you are in him. So when Jesus says he will do whatever you ask in his name, he will do it for you, as he said, for himself, and through you because he is in you. Believe that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And also later on in chapter 14, chapter 16, that the Holy Spirit, in fact, the triune God is in you. So ask So you didn't just become a Christian when you said yes to Jesus. Positionally, you became as God's channel, his means of enacting his kingdom everywhere that you go. You became his hands, his feet, his mouthpiece. You became his heart to the nations. And that's why the only way that that what Jesus says can make any sense, I tell you the truth, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing They will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Pentecost. Holy Spirit brings the triune God to live within us. That means that because we went to the Father, whatever we do and pray in his name, we do and pray not only on his behalf, but by his power and the authority and for his glory. This whole transpositional aspect of prayer is summed up in Jesus' words. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize, light bulb goes on, hopefully it's going on today, that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Are you getting this, children of God? So now, let's restate Jesus' words from John 14, 12 to 14. Verse 12, as you are doing the works I have been doing, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What's so hard about that? (laughs) There's no need to qualify what Jesus said by heaping all kinds of conditions and excuses on it. Just believe it. Believe it based on where God is now in you. If that can happen, certainly anything you ask can happen. The fruitfulness of our missionary job description is ours for the, for the asking. That's the great Pentecost promise of greater things. 
So what does missionaries, what do missionaries do every day? Like Heather and Andres or Jerome and Morgan are seamless link IWs. I hope that you're getting now that you and I are all included believers as sent ones, missionaries to our life networks. Jesus' job description is every missionary's job description still today. We are assigned to do the works of Jesus. Think about it in terms of your life network. Jesus' job description is our job description today. Our missionary job description is doable only by staying dependent on the Father who indwells us. Our missionary job description is a great Pentecost thing, and the fruitfulness of our missionary job description is ours for the asking. So let's dare to do what Jesus did in our life networks. This is the day, this is a day in the life of a missionary. This is what missionaries do. They step out believing that Jesus meant what he said. Can you imagine being there, not believing that in another part of the world where the gospel threatens your very life? They step out believing that Jesus meant what he said and they simply do what Jesus did and they leave the results to the Father. Let's all take that risk. I guarantee you, your life network will never be the same for the glory of God. I'm going to let you watch a video now of our Jaffrey offering. Every time, every year at this time, the Alliance calls Alliance churches, our family of churches all across Canada, to participate in this Jaffrey offering. And this Jaffrey offering uh, does and accomplishes certain things. Number one, this is, well, the video will explain it, but this Jaffrey offering is for the purpose of reaching the folks in South Asia, and it goes to a particular task. Let's watch the video. Thank you for supporting the Jaffrey Project, our annual missions focus. It's an opportunity to raise significant funding that goes to the places of greatest need. Your generous giving and prayerful support enables us to bring access to Jesus where few or none have heard. Thanks to your generous giving in 2021, we raised $454,901. This puts your total donations to the Jaffrey Project at over $2.3 million in the last six years, and that's incredible. We praise God that through your spirit of generosity and prayerful engagement, lives have been impacted with the love of Jesus. I want to take a moment to share two ways that this funding is impacting people. In a Southeast Asian country, one of our international workers leads a drop-in English education program for Rohingya young men living under challenging circumstances. This program creates opportunities to hear about the hope Jesus offers through education and mentorship. Meanwhile, in an African country, we have an international worker leading a village savings and loans project that assists the women of 10 villages to become self-sufficient by learning about and, and implementing a group savings program. Our international workers are able to run projects and programs like these because of your prayers and financial support. We celebrate each opportunity we have to see God transform lives. This is what the Alliance is all about. We are passionate about sharing the hope found in Jesus to people and places that have never heard about who God is. Thank you for joining us and making a difference around the world. We ask that you continue to pray for the projects, programs, and opportunities our international workers are a part of. 
We are excited for all that 2022 holds and how God will continue to work in and through the Alliance as we share about Him in places like South Asia, North Africa, Senegal, and to the places and people where the Spirit of God leads us. So as we give to this and many other funds like this, we join our prayers to it and we believe what Jesus said, that if we ask for anything in his name, he will do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can engage with the missionary in this world. That though they are called specially to go overseas, we are called locally to be the empowered ambassadors of the Lord Jesus everywhere that we go. Help us, Lord, to do that with great boldness, recognizing that the triune God indwells us. We dare not even be afraid of anything as a result of that. And so, Lord, empower our prayers with faith to believe what you said so that, Lord, locally and internationally, we would be able to not only give to these projects, but to pray passionately for them, believing you for fruitfulness and harvest. In Jesus' name, amen.